This is Meditations for Misfits, and I'm Fred Gruy. In a couple of days, I've been asked to give a lecture at a local university, Southern Oregon University, which is here in Ashland, where I live and work. And the theme, or the title for the lecture, is based on the campus theme this year, which is uh, identity, how we create our identity. And I've been asked to specifically address how religion affects our identity. And so I'm going to share with you in this podcast some of the thoughts rumbling through my head as I try to work on this lecture. Now, uh, if you've followed my podcast for a while, you'll know I believe we create our identity, we fashion it, we mold it out of four uh, basic elements that I look to. There may be more, you may think of more, but the, the four I often rely on is uh, we create our identity out of those experiences that we actually have in life, whether they're, they're good or bad, joyful or painful. We try to make sense out of why did this happen to me, and that helps shape our identity by the things that we're involved with or that happen to us. Another one of these elements that we create our identity from is our uh, nuclear family experience. Uh, that cauldron we were born into as infants and our first experience of community with possibly a mother and a father and some siblings or whatever your nuclear family was growing up that can have a power, powerful effect on our identity, as well as another one of these elements is our culture, uh, where I live and the race I am and uh, the language I speak all has an impact on my identity. And then the fourth element that I often draw on is our concept of the divine, the sacred other, the ground of our being, the transcendent, whatever name you want to give to this uh, divine other being. And whether you believe in a God or not, it, it, it influences our identity. And so we mix and match and we pull parts and strands of these four different elements and we create some awareness of who I am and why I am. Uh, now to give you an example, I have a dear friend who recently shared with me that when she was a young girl, her father looked at her one time and said, you know, you're just high strung. You're always high strung. Well, those words had a deep impact on my friend. As we're, when we're children and a very trusted and admired adult speaks to us, can. And that uh, can deeply impact how we see ourselves in the world. And it, in a sense, can become a self-fulfilling prophecy, whereas we live our lives, well, I must be high-strung, so when things happen, I have to react this way. We, we begin to tell ourselves that because that was spoken over us by someone we trusted and loved. So it can have a deep impact on us. So that's one example. Well, religion uh, can do the same thing. What religion tells us about ourselves can have a very... Uh, important impact on our identity. For example, one of the ones that uh, cause me, causes me great pain is I know that religion can tell some people that are not heterosexual that they are sinners or they're deviant or they're less than and they can be made to feel awful about who they are and why they are. 
and that causes me great pain, that religion can do such a thing. And, and it's not just about sexuality. There are other areas where religion can negatively impact someone's identity in life-limiting ways, which for me is the opposite of what religion should be doing. It should be affirming who we are and open up all kinds of uh, possibilities for us to be fully alive and fully human. Well, how do we overcome negative uh, images of ourselves, whether they've been given to us by our culture, by our religion, by loving adults when we were small children? How can we overcome that? Well, two of the main ways that that can happen in this time and age that you and I live in, we can go get professional help, see a therapist of some sort. And I'm reminded of the, the wonderful movie Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, you may have seen it. I, it's one of my favorite movies. And Matt Damon is a troubled young man whose experience in life was when he was young, his father would go into alcoholic rages and beat him mercilessly. And it caused aberrant behavior in Matt's character in the movie. He goes to see a therapist. Robin Williams is the actor. And in the course of their working together, at one point in one of the most dramatic moments in the movie, Robin Williams is convincing Matt Damon, your father beating you wasn't your fault. You were not responsible for him going into an alcoholic rage and taking out his hatred upon you. That was not your fault. And it's a very dramatic and powerful scene. It's what uh, therapists call the therapeutic moment, where Matt realizes, maybe for the first time, maybe it wasn't my fault. Maybe I'm not to blame. And it liberates him. And he has an incredible experience of freedom and healing in that therapeutic moment. Now, that's one way that uh, we can overcome some of these negative voices in our head that, that shape our identity in a less than helpful way. And I would offer that can also happen in religion by having a, a spiritual experience. In my own life, I, I've shared on previous podcasts when I was living in England, I was made to feel that I was responsible for some serious pain by loved ones in my family and in my friends, and that I was somehow at fault, and I was less than or not wise enough, and I needed to do something to fix it. And it was very painful for me. In the midst of that, I had an experience with what I call God, that somehow God let me know, even in the middle of all this turmoil in my life, God loved me and accepted me. And that was so powerful and freeing for me. I was able uh, to help my whole family uh, find a measure of health through that experience. Well, those kinds of experiences, uh, a spiritual experience, or I would even suggest a therapeutic moment, those you can't make happen. Those are really accidental. And I'm reminded of the, the great story. A, a student once came to a master asking, how do you, how do you make 
uh, an awakening or a salvation experience or a therapeutic moment happen, and the master smiled and said, well, well, you can't. They're accidents. And with a wink, the master said, but you can hang out where accidents are likely to happen. And I think uh, religion can offer that, a place where a spiritual experience might happen to bring liberation and freedom deep from within. And uh, so what, a, what, what would be the criteria of a spiritual, an authentic spiritual experience? Because I talk to all kinds of folks, and often uh, people want to tell me about their incredible spiritual experiences, but there's something that, that doesn't ring quite true or real to me in their sharing. And so I've thought about what are the criteria that I look for in a real or authentic spiritual experience. And so I'll share a couple of those with you. One is when someone's had a true spiritual experience, they are humbled by it. If the experience make, causes them to feel elitist or special in any way, I really... Uh, have great suspicion that that was an authentic spiritual experience. I really doubt what they're telling me because the people I've read about and in my own life, when when you have a true connection with the divine, it is incredibly humbling and you don't feel special. In fact, you feel a deeper interconnection with all other beings on the planet because you realize how how flawed and imperfect we all are and in the midst of it we're all together and we're all loved by this divine other that we call God and we're overwhelmed with how much we don't know we think we know things but when someone has a true encounter with God oh they realize, I don't know anything. The, the famous doctor of the Catholic Church, Thomas Aquinas, when he had his great revelation of God, said, everything I've written is just straw. Oh, it's nonsense. And having an experience with the divine can be like that. As well as I suggest, it heightens the interconnection we have with everyone else. Uh, my most trusted spiritual guide, Thomas Merton, as I've shared, when he had his incredible experience at Fourth and Walnut on the corner in Louisville, Kentucky, and he saw everybody walking around and realized he was part of them, he cried out, thank God, thank God that I am like the rest of men and women. I'm just part of this silly species running around on the planet. So an authentic spiritual experience helps us to feel more connected to others, that we realize we really don't know much at all. And then the last thing, criteria, I look for in an authentic spiritual experience is it opens our hearts to compassion, that we realize we're all in this together. We, we lose a lot of the judgmentalism that has been deposited into our souls, and we just become kinder, more compassionate human beings. I would suggest these are the evidences of an authentic spiritual experience or even a therapeutic moment, as I talked about earlier. Well, let me close with some more wisdom from the wonderful Henry Nouwen. And here's a, here's a passage that I think is very pertinent to what I'm talking about here. Henry writes that many voices ask for your attention. There's a voice that says, 
prove that you are a good person. And another voice says, you better be ashamed of yourself. And there's also a voice that says, nobody really cares about you. And one that says, be sure to become successful, popular, and powerful. But underneath all of these very often noisy voices, Henry Nouwen writes, is a still small voice that says, you are my beloved. My favor rests on you. That's the voice we need to hear most of all. To hear that voice, however, requires special effort. It requires solitude, silence, and a strong determination to listen. That's what prayer is, Henry Nouwen says. It is listening to the voice that calls us my beloved.